it's 3.30. Call to order. Um, any public discussion of any items that are not on the agenda? Okay, hearing none. Uh, consideration of the minutes from our January 4th meeting. I'll move um, approval of the minutes from the January 4th meeting. A second. Second. All in favor? Aye. 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 Um, all right. So, yes. Now we're to the presentation and discussion on Johnson County's Lulu Merrill Johnson exhibit. Okay. Rebecca, Sonia, I'll let you both introduce yourself and take it away for us, okay? Um, okay. Um, I'm Re Rebecca Conard, and I'm the historian who was hired to work on this project a little over a year ago to begin doing the research. And um, in the process of doing that, I got to know Lula Merle's uh, descendants who live in Des Moines, and I'm going to turn it over to Sonia to introduce herself. We can't hear you. Sorry, Sonia, you're muted. And if I could also ask you guys to give just a little bit of background for some of the members on the committee who may not be as familiar with the project. Thank you. Yeah. I was having some technical difficulty. I was trying to set up the view and I couldn't get back to the screen. So my apologies. Um, I am um, the, the grand niece of Dr. Lula Morrill Johnson. I call her Aunt Lula. And so you'll hear me say that throughout the um, presentation because I often called her, I never called her Dr. Johnson. And, um, you know, as Rebecca said, we had a chance to uh, meet last year when she was commissioned to do the research. I've been trying to get recognition for Aunt Lula for more than 30 years. And um, the University of Iowa is also my alma mater. And so um, I'm just really excited about this project and to be able to work with, with um, Rebecca in bringing this to fruition. And Rachel, you wanted us to give a little bit of background about the, the, the whole project. I think what I wanna do is first ask if everybody on the committee um, knows about the Board of Supervisors resolution designating Lulu Merle Johnson as the county's eponym in 2021, so a little over two years ago. Getting lots of head nods, so yes, they're we're all Okay, together. great. Yeah, we, can't, we can see a line of people there, but um, <laughs> can't really see faces. <laughs> um, Zanya, do you want to pull up the PowerPoint or? For sure. I will um, share my screen, just one sec. And um, do I have screen sharing privileges? You should. Are you having trouble? Uh, I, I don't. It says it's disabled. Okay. Sorry. Let me try. Let me try here. Okay. Oh, there it is. I have it now. Okay. Okay. So, can you see the presentation, everyone? 
Are you able to see? Or do you still see me? I think Rebecca's still sharing her screen, so. We're just seeing the Oh, 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 okay. Okay, great. Okay, now I've, I've stopped. So, Zanya, you to share? Yep. Um, yes. There it is. Yes, there it is. Okay. Everyone can see that, right? Yes. Okay, perfect. Rebecca, do you want to start or would you like me to start? Sure. Um, if you would take the, go to the first slide, and just a little bit of context for the project. Um, after Dr. Johnson was designated as the eponym, then the Board of Supervisors uh, decided that it would be good to have um, an exhibit sort of introducing her to Johnson County, explaining um, why she was designated as the eponym, placing it into the context of black history in Iowa City, um, and also then kind of contextualizing why Richard Mentor Johnson, the previous eponym, um, had been sort of stripped of that honor. So there are quite a few things that are going on in this project. Um, there, uh, but the idea is there is education behind it, not just really commemoration. Um, they want that, but they also were really felt that Johnson Countyans needed to know something about Dr. Lula Merle Johnson. So that was the reason for research. And in pulling all of that research together, uh, Sonia and I came up with an exhibit concept that we think is both inspirational as well as educational. And that's what we kind of want to spend our time um, going, telling you about, not so much going through the research, but really getting to the vision for the exhibit that we have in mind. So I'm going to turn it back to Sonia to talk a little bit about our, the inspirational highlights that Absolutely. kind of guided us. Sure. So um, there were a couple of things that, um, you know, were very key that, that came out in the research, but also that that we sort of knew as a family in terms of Aunt Lula, you know, being part of, you know, the broader movement of uplift, which was, you know, a movement to, you know, um, uh, advance um, African-Americans. It's it's interesting because I always thought of her as very much a leading edge thinker, somebody who was always on the forefront of certain things. And what we realized is that, you know, during the research is um, she really was part of that generation that was probably right before you know, um, the the early civil rights movement. You know, a lot of people mark the civil rights movement starting with the murder of Emmett Till. And so that was much later. But there were concepts that she was talking about. And we even have a class syllabus that um, I've had since she passed in 1995. That was her signature course. And, you know, she felt very strongly about instilling certain characteristics, you know, whether it was integrity or self-reliance, 
being ambitious, being, um, you know, showing fellowship in our human values. And, you know, I, I experienced so much of that personally in terms of my own development. And someday I could tell you tons of stories of every, spending every summer with my great aunt, but I won't do that for the sake of time today. But she really worked hard to develop, you know, those those traits in um her nephews, my my dad and his brother, who is deceased, and then my two sisters and me. And she was always very excited. There was never a moment where we did not know that we were going to college from a very young age, you know, and um, that that just was something that was ingrained. You know, I often say in many families, someone my age would be the first generation to um, go to college. I'm the third generation in, in my family. And, you know, the last bit of it is 2025, which is when we hope to bring all of this to, to fruition, will mark the 100th anniversary of Aunt Lula's matriculation at the University of Iowa. And so, um, you know, the timing is, is, really, um, is really perfect for all of this to be happening. I'm gonna turn it back to you, Rebecca. Um, do you wanna talk about the outdoor? Sure, I will. So where will this be located? The uh, top image that you are looking at is an orthographic view of the county administration building. And then you see that two little green dots there. That is a green strip or grassy strip between the public parking lot, which is north or above those two green lines, and then the employee parking lot below. So that is the area that the Board of Supervisors had already designated would be where the exhibit, an outdoor exhibit, would go. So that, what you see down below, is uh, a schematic of how it might be laid out with a um, sort of curvilinear path that would uh, lead up to the uh, a bronze statue, and we've a bronze statue of, of of her is what we have envisioned because it uh, and her in her doctoral robe, which is kind of central to the reason that she was designated as the eponym that she received. She was the first African American woman to get a PhD, earn a PhD in Iowa and from the University of Iowa. That's and that's kind of central to her identity as um, an educator, as an administrator and um, educator in higher education. So the elements, and there were a little bit limited as to where exactly the statue could be placed. One would have it on the longer grassy strip and the other would be at the square uh, strip that's on the east side of the exit uh, lane from the employee parking lot. Um, so there would be a walking path. There would be some block, bronze plaques uh, located there, probably a bench or two for sitting. Um, and there would, be, um, there would be some information on the bronze plaques. There would be the redesignation date and the rationale for that some biographical information about her, 
And also, this would be a place where we could present some information about the historically black neighborhood that was located in this uh, uh, area of the city where the county administration campus now is. And as a matter of fact, when she was working on her uh, PhD, <clears throat> the two years in the 1930s and, and then 1940 to 41, when she was actually in residence in Iowa City because she was teaching at Tougaloo College from 1930 to 1941 or 1942, 1942, she would come back to take classes or she would be, you know, doing research on her Francis and Francis's husband and their son and also at, at some point then Sonia's father who went to school, grew up in Iowa City and went to West High or City, City. High, not West High, City High. <laughs> West High didn't exist then. City High. So she grew, she was lived about two blocks from where the county administration building is located now. So there is a real physical tie to this particular neighborhood, as well as her tie to the university. So we can bring in a little bit of information about the historically black neighborhood, um, which is where, where, where the county administration building is located now. The outdoor area. Um, limits what we can do because whatever goes out there has to be able to withstand the winter elements. So the amount of information that we will have outdoors will be limited and we are thinking more of this as really a place of inspiration, mm -hmm. um, a place where people can get um basic information and then a destination and a destination yes people can take and, photographs and and we will try and create this so that it does create an area where people can take photographs next to the uh, bronze sculpture um if at any time you have questions by the way just stop us and tell us that you want more information or you have a question about something but I'd love to make a comment on on this slide as well. Um, so if you notice uh, Aunt Lula uh, in the statue, the, Rebecca and I really wanted her to have movement. Um, and so that, you know, to be um, inspirational, but she was someone who was on the move. And so we really wanted, by the way, these aren't the final renderings, um, but we knew that, you know, there was sort of a vision that we had for that. And um, since she was never able to teach at the University of Iowa, um, I don't think the University of Iowa started hiring black teachers until the 50s or much later, um, we decided that the, she would be facing east because she ended up moving on to work in the HBCU system throughout her career. And her mortar board is tucked under her arm showing that she is, you know, actively 
taking on the world. And so again, that that goes back to the whole notion of the um, the inspirational piece. There's one other piece I wanted to mention. She, um, the statue would face the Tate Arms, which is a historical landmark. And um, Betty Tate, who was a prominent African American, you know, um, in Iowa City as well, that that house was was previously her home. And so it was very funny because when I brought um, my parents to um, Iowa City to look at the area. My dad said, well, that's the Tate House, and this was a playground. And so at any rate, um, and I'm sorry about the phone ringing in the background. We'll stop in just a second. There are so many great um, sort of uh, alignments in the in the area where it will be located to the point where at one of our presentations, someone actually asked if it would make sense to create a map to sort of pinpoint all of these locations. So just wanted to give you, um, you know, that additional information. Um, I don't have a question, hi. Um, but I wanted to say I, I like the relationship between that and Elizabeth Catlett's statue that's in the IMU mm. called Stepping Out, mm -hmm. which is also, uh, you know, this woman in movement. Right, right. Amazing. And Elizabeth Catlett was part of her cohort. Mm -hmm. Right. Which, yeah. So that's Rebecca thing on the research. I just, um, it, it pops into my head, so I won't go down that rabbit hole. But, you know, there's some very interesting um, facts that have been uncovered. A lot that we knew as a family, because Aunt Lula as a historian made sure that, you know, we knew our family's history. But there's also so much additional information that Rebecca has found through her research, which really makes it exciting. Should I go to the next slide? Yeah. Okay. And if you want to take and talk about the indoor part. Sure. So this area is obviously a, a rendering of what the space would look like in the new building, or I'm sorry, in the um, county building that is currently under renovation. And so not sure, we know that it will probably be, you know, sort of a small-ish area um, where the indoor exhibit will happen but it will be located um, next to that lounge area. And so some of the elements that we wanna make sure that are, are part of it are certainly a catalog, you know, that an exhibit catalog. So if, if people wanted to, you know, just stop and learn additional information, they could, you know, we're thinking of things like takeaways, like a, a shorter um, narrative, but interactive book that's a display. Um, we're actually going to be filming the making of the sculpture. It's such an interesting process, which I had never seen before until we went to meet with um, Steve Maxson and he took us through every aspect. He's the person who did Hayden Fry and a number of the statues that are in Iowa City. You guys probably know him, but had no idea all of what it entails. And so it was like, this is going to be such an interesting process and, a, and another great opportunity to tell the story. And then the last bit of it is, and I'll let you talk about this, is a wall sculpture that would be um, intended to call attention to the exhibit. And I'll pass it over to you, um, Rebecca. Yeah. So the indoor exhibit and, and part of the rationale behind doing an outdoor and an indoor is that the Board of Supervisors really were emphasizing the educational part of this. And there's no way to get 
all of the important information about uh, Dr. Johnson into that outdoor exhibit. So, and in order then to create a focal point, um, we, we wanted something that would really call attention and draw people to an area where they could find out more about her and, and the process of making that sculpture that will be outdoor. And they will be in two different, very two very different locations. The new board of supervisors meeting room is going to be in the HHS building across the street to the north on the third floor. So it's going to be quite a distance removed from not only where the current um, supervisor's meeting room is located, but quite a distance from where the bronze sculpture will be placed. So I was at a conference uh, last fall, and one of the things I did while I was there was take a walk. It was in Boise, Idaho, of all places, which, as it turns out, has an amazing collection of public art um, in the downtown area. And one of the displays is this series of wall sculptures by an artist, um, Vinnie Bagwell, who lives in New York. But what caught my attention was the fact that she was making these sculptures. Um, some of them are bronze, but she also does a process that is resin and bronze. And she takes a lot of her information. She uses photographs for many of her works. And the amount of detail that she gets into these wall sculptures is really quite amazing. And as it turns out, the family has quite a number of photographs. So we have a lot of material to work with. So um, we are thinking uh, that is part of the whole vision of this. The concept that we have would be to have um, a wall sculpture that is done from one of the photographs or maybe two or three. We don't really, you know. We are playing around with a lot of things right now. But we've been in touch with the artist, and she's quite excited about working on this as well. So that is kind of um, anything else you want to add to this, Sonia? This kind of concludes um, our exhibit concept, and we would entertain questions or comments at, from this point. For sure. I don't have anything to add. I think that was everything. And, yeah, happy to take any Comments, thoughts, questions. And so that last bronze you were showing, that was um, just an example of an image that might be? Uh -huh. Yeah, it's an example. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then um, where are you at with the option one and option two? Just, I just asked that because it does seem like option one would give you room for benches and also if it's a destination, we don't want people in traffic. <laughs> right. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> so a couple of things. Yes, I think that that's probably first prize for us as well. We also had a conversation with the city of Iowa City and learned that that street will change. And so the traffic pattern is going to, you know, I I'm not sure the exact dates. Rebecca, you may know that. But the, the traffic patterns will change on that street so it won't be 
as busy. And I think there will be a bike path or a walking path or something that is planned to be added to that area. But yeah, I think first prize for us would be the bigger area as well. A place where people could, you know, sit. We don't have benches in the renderings, but, um, you know, certainly it's something that we've talked about where people could relax and, um, you know, think and sort of just enjoy the space in the moment. Mm -hmm. Part of the location will be in consultation with facilities um, because there are underground um, elements in that grassy strip that need to be avoided. There are two maturing trees. Um, a third tree was taken out and we have requested that nothing be planted to, re that another tree not be planted to replace it because that would limit our options even further. So we're trying to hold as much open space as we can. And, um, but the ultimate placement I think is going to be, um, certainly will be in consultation with facilities so that we know that it will be in a place where it can be secured and firmly um, embedded in the ground. Yes. Because, so, th well, first of all, thank you very much for um, that presentation. It was really interesting and you're doing great work on it. Um, just to be a devil's advocate for, is option two the one where it is closest to the sidewalk and faces out towards the street? So east is towards the street. It feels like that would be more, more visible to the public because otherwise you kind of have to be in that parking lot to notice it. Otherwise, the one that's option two faces, you know, would be close to the sidewalk, faces out, and it's more of kind of a front, um, you know, I, more of an iconic kind of centerpiece to the property that you see as you're walking and driving by that you might not otherwise notice that there's a, an exhibit there if you're just walking or driving by, if it was on the back end. Just a thought. No, it's a good thought. And I think um, the other thing, that square patch that's closer to Dubuque Street also is closer to the Tate Arms. So it would be easy to kind of call more attention to the Tate Arms across the street, and it is nearly directly across the street. Um, so there, each side has some advantages, I think. But yes, and we've even thought we've even um, thought through, you know, whether the potential of sort of raising certain aspects of it. It doesn't necessarily make it front facing in terms of the way that you're saying in that small space. But you know, um, you know, we've talked about ways to elevate pieces of it so it would make it more visible, so that you would, you know, know that something was there without necessarily driving into the parking lot, and hopefully. You know, um, we're doing a number of sessions where we're talking to people about um, about the project. Well, um, I'll be in Iowa City. I'm in Des Moines, but I'll be in Iowa City the week of the 26th of February for a number of presentations. And, you know, we want to certainly um, not only inform people and um, ask people to help inform decisions, that, you know, as we're getting to, you know, making final decisions, but also... Um, we want to, you know, um, create some advocates for the problem as for the problem for the project rather as well, so that people are talking about it and you know it does become something that people will want to visit wherever it happens to be on that property. 
But we really do appreciate all of your comments because you you think about art in ways that a lot of people don't, particularly public art. And um, so we're really keenly interested in your feedback on all aspects of it. Yes. Uh, well, thank Not you. you well, just one, as you were describing that, I had one other thought that came to mind about the placement. You know, you were talking about how people would pose um, for photographs with it. Um, in, mm -hmm. in the first option, you know, the background would be kind of not part of the exhibit. The background would be the, you know, the gate that goes up and down and whatever's behind that. And the, and the second option where it's closer to the street, it would be, the background would be that, whole, that more manicured park that's part of the exhibit. So, you know, if, if people are, obviously if they're facing the same way the statue would be facing, that would be in the background. So that's just one other thing to consider. Good point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know um, Roy San Porter, the supervisor, also um, <clears throat> is part of an, a group that conducts or they organize civil rights tours for students. And um, she is really looking forward to having this bronze sculpture there because she wants kids to come there and she wants, she's already envisioning the group photographs. <laughs> that's been kind of um, a spur for us really to think of it in those terms. Hi. Other comments um, or questions? Sure. I was um, just thinking that uh, with the outdoor kind of educational components or the other plaques, um, it, you know, there's always the opportunity for a QR code or something to either, you know, show the map of the neighborhood in different sites um, around the uh, building and Tate Arms um, or to potentially um, connect back into the indoor exhibit as well. Um, but yeah. that was my thought. It's, it really sounds like a wonderful project, and I'll be very glad to see it um, come to fruition, but then also to experience it myself. So, mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah, I think a QR code is a great idea. I'll, um, we also are thinking that whatever is outside needs to be rugged enough to uh, withstand all of the elements and... Um, exist for a long period of time. We don't have that concern with the interior, and we actually kind of see that as maybe a, an exhibit that has a limited duration of maybe 10 to 15 years. Um, but it would also be an exhibit where you could change elements of it, whereas outside what goes up will be in bronze and it will be permanent. So everything that's out there we we're thinking needs to have at least a 50-year lifespan you know if not more that's great thank you so much yeah it's fantastic thank you so much for your time Oh, thank, thank you for having us. Uh, yeah. I was Judy, can you please come? I just mic? happened to be at this oh. meeting for a big Judy, project. You have to go to oh, the so podium. Sorry. Yeah. So sorry. 
We've Hi, I'm Judy Nyer, and I just happen to be at this meeting for a different project. But I'm one of the leaders for the neighborhood that would be just adjacent to the east. And so I've already done some historical research on some of that area and familiar with uh, some of the black history there. You don't happen to know what street she lived on. You said it was just two blocks from there. Capital. On yes, Capitol Street. Um, the house was at 713 Capitol Street. Okay. And then the other thing I might mention, too, the whole idea, um, we're kind of trying to work with the bike library of Iowa City, and we're creating bike rides um, with the history, like regiment ride, which would be the Civil War history, and researchers ride. Uh, it would be like little family rides or date night rides. And this might be something, too, that could be incorporated since the bike library is in our neighborhood. So that's all I wanted to say. Mm -hmm. okay. Thank you. Yeah. Good idea. I like that. That's a great idea. Okay, well, I think that's everyone's questions here. Did you have other specific feedback you were looking for or anything else, Rebecca, Sonia? Um, no, but if you have, any of you have any thoughts um, after the meeting, please, uh, Rachel, you might give them our email addresses so they can get in touch with us. Yeah. Absolutely. And you guys are coming, as you mentioned, in a couple weeks in February to do more outreach in the community. So Public Art Committee, you guys got a sneak peek. So we really thank you for your time uh, coming a little bit early to tell us more about the project. And um, we we'll look forward to any ways we can support it moving forward. Thank Great. you. Appreciate thank you. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Great, that was fascinating. Um, okay, moving on to item number five, which is to determine the direction on the Lucas Farm Neighborhood Association Indigenous, Indigenous History Art Project. Yeah. Uh, do you want to give a little preamble? Sure. On that? I can. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, as you all know, we've uh, we issued a request for um, qualifications for an artist to conduct an art installation in the Lucas Farms neighborhood, specifically Highland Park, that commemorates uh, indigenous history in the neighborhood. Um, and uh, as I shared with you through the, when I sent out the agenda packet, we did receive those three applications. And so what I'm hoping today um, we can decide upon is not to discuss or rank or review those three applications, but instead to decide whether we feel like um, there you know, we'd like to move forward reviewing those applications. Did we get a viable um, number of artists to select from? Do you want to modify that uh, request for qualifications? You know, we heard different feedback from the community about things that maybe could have been improved on it um, and go back out. Or um, do we want to try just a different approach, whether that's partnering with a targeted you know, group or school or whatever it may be. Um, and you guys may have another option I haven't thought of. So um, I think really today the goal is just um, for you to kind of assess all of the information you've kind of heard and received over the past few months related to this project and provide a little direction on how you'd like to move forward. Uh, Judy Nyman uh, just spoke and she's here representing the Lucas Farms neighborhood. So if you have questions for her, want to get her input, I'm sure she's happy to, to do so. Judy, have you seen the, the three applications? 
Uh, no, I, ha I haven't seen them. I've talked to Rachel maybe a couple of times. Um, so, and she did a good job of kind of explaining background. Um, the one thing that would be of interest to me would be, um, she has Dolezal jewelry, I can't remember her name, Alicia, is it? Alicia, Alicia Velasquez had, you know, some good ideas, I thought. And I have met with her in the past just on a neighborhood basis. We interviewed her for our neighborhood newsletter. And I know that she has a, a desire to expand knowledge and recognition of indigenous people here in, in the campus and in Iowa City. So I think she seems kind of like a possible avenue to, to continue to follow. She's established in the neighborhood there on Kirkwood Avenue. Um, other than that, you know, I haven't seen the actual proposals. Um, so some context on that conversation with Alicia. Uh, she had reached out to me and had been doing a lot of uh, work on her own to help push this opportunity out to her connections in different uh, indigenous populations. And um, she wanted to share with me f some feedback that um, many uh, individuals uh, in those populations uh, the format that our request for qualifications was issued in was not something that they're necessarily used to seeing. So even just like, how do you put together a proposal? It's um, kind of maybe more of like a white culture type of way of soliciting an art project. And so she just shared feedback that, um, you know, if, if we wanted to reach more people, um, there could be some improvements made to what that call for qualifications looks like. Um, and said, you know, that as an individual, she would be happy to help support um, continuing to promote this opportunity. I just don't know, like, it's hard for me to say that, you know, any sort of partnership with her or anything is uh, on the table. She just wanted to share feedback and is doing her part to help promote the opportunity. And I guess I may be thinking in terms of design, she's really a incredible artist if there were someone who designed it and someone else who facilitated it or something depending on what the concept would be that might open it up a little more I don't know I I didn't feel that the three proposals were of that high of a quality for this project is I guess my first opinion of the three so if there was a way to do it differently and get more targeted responses I I think that would be a good a good move. I, I just didn't feel like the three that we got were probably what you're looking for. And the one we talk, just talked about is probably the best of the three, but um, I, even then I didn't really feel like they really hit the target of what we were looking for. Are you speaking in terms of visually what, or just concept? Uh, just prior work, the kind of the whole applications, the entire of the applications they put in. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, because not to dive into the specific projects, but it was just a request for qualifications. So two of the three just purely was like a resume basically and some past work. One of them did propose some ideas, but um, yeah, I'm kind of with Julie that it, none of them really resonated that these, this person's going to nail it. Uh, and I don't know. I'm, I'm a little at a loss, though, to steps, next steps. Um, I mean, if that person, they're, they're offering to help solicit 
more targeted. Yeah, to provide, uh, I guess, she offered to maybe provide feedback on how we could structure that call for artists in a way that's um, more understandable and accessible to indigenous artists. And I had shared at the last meeting just um, the response that I got from several friends who are of, um, you know, who are members of various tribes was that the way that that call was presented was a problem for them to come forward. They felt that it was very specific. And so would we invite her to come and speak with us or, or have a subcommittee to meet to re, um, redesign the call or? That's a good question. Um, that might be a good approach just to keep things moving. Uh, like I said, I have no idea if you know, she's willing to dedicate time to this. Uh, so she provide, was very helpful in providing that feedback. I just don't want to commit someone else to, you know, our, our project. But we could explore that, I think. It seems like, the, yeah, if she would be willing to meet, like, with the subcommittee or something. No, that sounds good. I mean, I, I like taking that approach of just even asking her, um, for more input and and how to go about redesigning it in a way that feels more accessible and approachable, and will get um, hopefully you know, get this into a good state of where you know uh, we're receiving more uh, proposals, but then also making it um, a better process. Yeah, this isn't the first uh, time that we've tried to solicit proposals from indigenous artists and had a pretty limited um, response. So, I mean, what, what we can learn, mm -hmm. how to make the process better would be great. Um, but I'm a little confused. Is it that the same person who's offering to help uh, make the proposal process better is also an artist that could possibly design? Is that what you were suggesting, Judy? I'm sorry, I couldn't tell what you said. The, the person who is offering to help like make, the, make our RFQ process better um, is also an artist that you said would be interested in participating? She makes traditional Native American jewelry, has a business that does that. Okay. She has, she, yeah. It, yeah, Alicia has a business on Kirkwood Avenue, kind of right across from Iowa City Tire in that little strip there. Okay. And she just has a general interest in trying to create more community with people of indigenous backgrounds in Iowa City. So I think of her as a contact person. I also know you said something about school children. I guess I think of, you know, if, if there are I mean, some of this may even just be the critical mass, how many indigenous artists are out there that could do an outdoor project, and you start you know, getting this small pool of people who may be qualified or available. But you had said something about school children, so then I start thinking, I worked with kids most of my life, but think, what if you, know, you had even school children submit ideas, and then you had a qualified artist that created from those 
ideas of their history or their culture then created the art piece, you know, someone who already had some experience working. I mean, that might be just, uh, I'm just throwing that out there as a possibility. If there just aren't the artists who have either the experience or talent to do this kind of an installation. So, anyway. It's looking at me. <laughs> I mean, I, my reaction to that well, is. I'm speaking directly of school children from the Meskwaki settlement, the school yeah, there. Right. I think that's who you mentioned. So that's what I was thinking of. Not local school children, but children from the Meskwaki settlement. Thank you for clarifying. Yeah, that makes more sense. I mean, that person, the jewelry making person that seems that wants to build community around indigenous people in Iowa City sounds like a good resource. Okay. Is there, an, is that kind of the consensus that we'd like to try to reissue, modify and reissue? Or, I mean, at least have a conversation with her to understand what she's, how she's suggesting okay. proceeding. Because, I mean, maybe it's, there's, a very small number of people that could right. do it, and she just thinks we should work directly with this group, and we meet them, and it's, it seems like a good fit. Maybe there is more of less of an open call if there's someone that's qualified. Okay. But I don't know, or I mean, I'm totally fine putting it out there again too. But okay, is that something you would like me to do, or did you want people to volunteer? Either way is fine. Just let me know. You feel comfortable having just yeah. that initial conversation? Yeah, as goes. long as you all feel comfortable with that, yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay, well, I'll plan to reach back out to her and, and get some ideas on how we might move forward. And um, maybe if we have to, we can uh, do like an email vote or something just to keep things moving between now and March, Great. if possible. Anything else on that one? Did you have anything else to add? Judy, on? No, just thank you. You yeah. know, this has been slow coming, but maybe there will be a result that's worth the wait. <laughs> and we're certainly wanting to pursue this whole idea of the biking, walking tours around that area. There's just massive amounts of history that could be included. So any kind of art installation that creates kind of a point of interest and then take off and we've also talked about QR codes too so um, you know I think the value of the project is still great thank you all right last item on our agenda is uh, just an update on the meeting we just had to the subcommittee uh, met to talk about how we could uh, reach out to some local art and you know involve community members to inform our um, priorities for budgeting and the um, forming our next strategic plan since we're in the last year of the current one. Um, do you want to, ref we kind of had two main ideas come out of it. One was about um, raising awareness of uh, the public art matching grants. Yeah, Jeremy. Maybe we can, okay. So yeah, we talked about um, the matching grant program and doing some outreach um, to 
nonprofits um, to inform them about the program and how they can apply. And then we also talked about um, well, we sort of talked about to um, for the retreat mechanism to sort of think about it more as like the <coughs> outreach to social service groups and then how to engage the more art groups. And so we um, discussed trying to invite a speaker either from from Americans for the Arts or the Iowa Arts Council to sort of be a speaker to discuss um, the relevancy and the goals and parameters of public art and especially you know how that might be utilized in um, Johnson County and then for that meeting to have more of the art organizations attend that meeting and um, then begin to figure out or to discuss how we might all work together to um, align certain goals and then also to also consider where we can um, divide and, and actually take care of different areas as opposed to working, you know, like collectively, working together and separately, like where our strengths could lie. And how they would envision this committee supporting some of their efforts. But then, um, and then in a separate meeting, um, having various um, public services and other organizations meet to discuss similarly how this organization could grow and um, offer support. And anyone can clarify what I said. I think that summarizes it well. I mean, just to clarify what Jeremy, Jeremy was talking about with, um, I think what we landed on was that there'd be, basically, Jeremy's gonna re do some outreach to nonprofits to just let them know that about the existing public, public art matching grant application that's out there. And then I think there'll be a public service announcement of some sort to just say we'll have an open work session after our next March meeting. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll work on, so some of the grant programs in the city, climate action grants, the human rights equity grants, they do like a public information session where anyone who may be interested in the grant can attend and just learn more about the application process, what we're looking for, what we're not looking for. Um, so my understanding is to hold something like that. Um, and do you want to hold it at the after the March meeting or earlier than that? Maybe to, to be announced. Okay. okay. Yeah, I mean, maybe when you're asking people, just gauge if there's some interest yeah. in it yeah. and if they need sooner than later. Okay. Um, and I don't know. Ron or Julie, were you guys around when we did the last, you were, you were right, with the last strategic plan and we yeah. met at the Ashton House? Right, right. <clears throat> I was stretching my memory a bit trying to describe how that process happened and like uh, <laughs> who all was there. Um, do you have any? I, you know what, I, I was there too, but yeah. it's been a while. <laughs> I know that we had invited several artists and that I remember it being a very interesting conversation. Um, but I don't remember more than that. <laughs> Should invite invite 
uh, Marcia. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyways, I think the conversation felt like we were trying to do something similar to that again, just to kind of go over what, you know, the progress that has been made on the current strategic plan and just help prioritize and gauge interest from the community on, you know, where to focus efforts over the next few years. So that's the goal. That's your questions? Any other staff updates? Um, sure, I have a couple. So as um, you mentioned, the public art matching grants are now live. So uh, I'll perhaps work on an informational session, but uh, if you can help push out through your networks, that's always appreciated. Um, another thing that you can help promote is our public art uh, committee vacancies. So we still have um, two unfilled and haven't, those just remain open until filled, so we haven't um, gotten any applications for them. So please be thinking about people you think would be a good fit and encourage them to apply. And um, not only will that add more voices on our committee, but also you won't get pesky emails asking about quorum for me. So win-win. <laughs> um, that's all I have uh, on the South District Bench project. Uh, we have established a monthly check-in meeting. Um, we've had a couple of those. Still just hold up on the budget um, piece, so hoping that that will turn a corner soon and then things will be off to the races, but I don't really have a, much of an update. That's all I have unless there's questions. I'm, I'm just curious on that bench. You said that they're still defining the budget, is that? Yeah, they've, um, it, they were a little delayed in reaching out to their structural engineer and now um, are refining something that is gonna take some back and forth. So um, that's the piece that they're waiting on. Gotcha. All right, thanks. Old or new business, I don't think we have any of that in this. Okay, all right, you're up. <laughs> to adjourn. Wait a second. Second. All right. All in favor. Aye. 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 All right. Thank you. <laughs>